Welcome everyone to Watch Challenge. On each episode, we challenge ourselves to find and watch a film of a particular type and then report back the results to each other and you find listeners. My name is Mike Went. And I'm Aaron Spears. This episode's challenge is films with cults. Tis the season. Uh yes. it off right away. Actually, the the what is it like the creep of Halloween? Um, I have a September fifteenth start date in my <laughs> in my watching in my film journals. So um, I'm uh, I'm hip deep in it right now. And I thought this is a really specific topic, but it ended up being one of those like once I started digging in, I was like, oh, there's a bunch of these. Oh yeah, kind of yeah. This stuff. one is um, as it's almost become a running cliche, I think, <laughs> with us, but. You could definitely have a second or third episode with this. I yeah, think. yeah. I because uh, it's you know it's not like a sortable genre on Letterbox or anything where I could get my own immediate list because I could be within drama or horror or actually my main pick is kind of more comedy actually. Okay. Than okay. Anything. Interesting. Um, but you know, gore fans will be satisfied as well. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it was one of those I started looking at other people's list to kind of get a, get my feel for it, and it was everything down to and I. I don't think I'm, I'm guessing I'm not spoiling anything from either one of our, li- well, I know it's not spoiling anything from my list, but I think it's spoiling anything from yours, like even all the way down to like Eyes Wide Shut, which I was like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, I, I sort of, I see that one. And a few other ones that I think maybe had been spoiled for me because they're on a cult list and I didn't know that was an angle. Yeah. Went into certain movies that I won't, you know, ruin right here, but I was like, yeah. oh, I guess, all right, yeah, all right, that's possibly has some cult in there to it. But um, that first got my mind thinking about, you know, there's been some Hollywood reporting or Hollywood news coming out of Hollywood in the last, like, say, five to seven years of cult activity. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just mean Scientology. What was the, uh, was it ne- Nexium? Yes. Um, I forget how to pronounce that one. It's like N-V-M-X. Like, it's not a lot of vowels in that one. Yeah. No, you're right. I I don't know the, the exact pronunciation as well, but yeah, ne- Nexium. And- and N-X-I-V-M. I had it in my notes. I just don't know how to pronounce it. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. So I was like looking at it. I was like, oh, wait. so then, of course, you know, rabbit hole time because I'm, you know, it's 1030 at night and I'm about to watch a movie. But instead, I'm searching <laughs> a bunch of yeah. cult stuff. And I found this interesting article that kind of got me thinking about the movies as I was writing my notes here in a very different way, which is the title was What is a Cult and Why Do People Join Them? Very easy, you know, obvious kind of title to it. And they interviews this guy, a uh, psychologist and professor, Steve uh, Eichel Etchell. He has estimated, based on his research, there's up to how many cults right now, Mike, existing in the United States today? What, what What's the number, would you guess here? A little spoiler, guess super high. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, I was going to say 1,500, but... I um, mean, up it up. Oh, wow. 50,000? Yeah. Clo- wait, how many did you say? 50,000? Okay, well, that just went too too crazy. Uh, 10,000. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 20. 20,000. Uh, uh, so 10,000 10, is his wow. estimate that still exists today. And then he goes in a bit more, um, you know, the ins and outs of what he considers to be a cult. And some of them could be even like, um, I don't think he uses it in the article, but like he, I was, I've always fascinated with like the Westboro Baptist Church, the So Full of Hate, protesting yes. funerals and uh, all kinds of just, just stupid shit. And when you look them up, there's like 30 members or something like this is I thought this was going to be like this hundreds oh, of really? people networks. And it's really not that many people. Oh, yeah, because they are they're so famous for, you know, almost protesting every Hollywood premiere and uh, mm-hmm. or something like that. <laughs> um, wow. 
Yeah, it's listed as uh, around 70 members um, as of 2016, so not terribly recent. But I don't think they're expanding. I think we're pretty safe in like, <laughs> yeah. you know, once Fred Phelps died off, uh, it, it wasn't really expanding anymore. So, <laughs> uh, No, that's interesting. I, you yeah. know, I think the first the first time I became aware of cults as a young kid was, I, I would say, the Waco, you know. Oh, yeah. That was, you know, David Koresh. I just remember that was on the news uh yeah. almost every day uh you know for a time there uh when it was it became like the Waco hostage situation but also you know just learning more about it in the aftermath of that yeah that's what kind of really first got me i think aware of cults but you know maybe there was something earlier but i i would say i was probably about 10 or so when that that makes sense cuz also it's the whole standoff i mean it was a drawn out thing and like i mean Looking at just from the, the the news angle, like there we go, we got our lead story every night as long as this thing's going on, and it was, you know, live from Waco reporting all the time there. Yeah, I was trying to think movie wise though. I don't know. I couldn't come up with like the first movie that had a cult in it, like a from you know a film version of of cults. It had to have been something in the horror realm. I'm guessing. I you know I actually uh, I did do a little reading on this one, and I have seen this movie, but. I don't recall much of it at all, so I I'm not including it in one of my picks just because it would be me just reading off of IMDb and guessing <laughs> what happened. But uh, the first time it's it appears that a cult appeared in a movie was 1934. It's a movie called The Black Cat. Oh yeah, uh, and it has Boris Karloff in it. Um, I saw it uh, several years back at. At our beloved Cleveland Cinematheque, they mm-hmm. played it on a, a 35 millimeter print. I couldn't tell you anything that happened in it, but I do remember it being, you know, it was it was entertaining, uh, yeah, you know, to say the least. But uh, but yeah, that I think it was that's more like the occult, uh, maybe as opposed to a you know a full on cult or something. <laughs> but yeah, I'm uh, curious about the definition because, like you said, I I haven't seen it in a minute. But it doesn't have the, the the cult tropes I'm thinking of. Yeah. Um in there. Although I believe he was still in the castle that the whole thing takes place in because he led yes. like a failed something or other in war. So maybe like his own squadron was the cult or something. I don't know. Yeah. I forget some I'm, of that backstory. I'm trying to I'm scrambling to look up to see if I wrote anything, any thoughts on it in my in my <laughs> letterboxed review, but uh uh you go back to like hexen or or something yeah but black hat makes uh yeah i I can i kind of see that and then i give it four stars but i didn't write anything about it so i must uh i must have enjoyed it and it's only like an hour and three minutes so yeah yeah the only thing that stands out in my head from that was not the cult thing it was the uh again it's a from the time period it's you know pre-code uh cinema where um someone's getting like flayed uh, like it's yeah. peeled off, but it's like in shadow and you're like is, is that what i think okay on to the next scene all right yeah. <laughs> oh and i i failed to uh, mention you know i i did say boris karloff's in it but also bella lugosi was in it as well so i mean i'm sure for like that era that was you know having those two in the same movie oh, yeah it, it probably I was like, oh, wow, shit. <laughs> and they're going head to head, too. Yes, so, yes. Yeah, oh, yeah. No, that's, a, that's a huge, huge recommend. Even though we, neither one of us can remember it that well. <laughs> right, right. I just, yeah. I mean, it looks like I watched it in 2016. So I, yeah. 
you know, yeah. that's many, many movies ago for me in my head. That's true. Yeah. Movie time, not, not the actual timeline. Right, right, right. Uh, <laughs> uh, which is also the benefit of, uh, of age and movie time is that um, in a few more years, it'll be a brand new movie to me again. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I was trying to think too of like, what I before I put my list together or watched anything new for this particular episode, I was like, "What about it made me pick the topic?" Um, I just think it's kind of interesting and cults are yeah. fascinating. But kind of as I mentioned in that that article, which I'll throw it in the show notes too, it's actually really good. Um, being a young adult librarian, I'm around uh, Teen Vogue, the website often. Yes. <laughs> they do really fantastic culture reporting and really great political reporting. Actually, this is a an article from this year. Um, about cults and it gets into the psychological manipulation and pressure strategies and i think from a teen vogue perspective it's more like hey uh watch out for this shit because uh it's out there if there's ten thousand, you know cults potentially existing in america right now um maybe watch for some of the signs here but that got me thinking i i, I think part of what draws me to this as a film subgenre would be getting to see the workings of a cult yeah um, or the mystery to it where you don't really know what's going on and can it be presented in an intriguing way? Obviously, there's plenty of like great visuals you could have um, with yeah. the film. Um, and, you know, it's 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 usually demonic. It's not usually like <laughs> a happy sunshine. Let's get well-adjusted people out there uh, into society kind of cults. It's usually nefarious. Yeah, it, I think that's that's one of the I guess if there is a trope for movies about cults is that a lot of times it's not in plain sight at first. Uh, you know, Ooh, yeah, yeah. it slowly starts to reveal itself. Uh, and and that's why I think a lot of those are, are really effective and, you know, maybe are not around this Halloween time are the ones that are brought up as like, Oh, these, this is the, the absolute banger one I have to watch with my friends, you know, mm-hmm. but, but it's, it's like the deep, deeper dive kind of things like, uh, I would say like a Rosemary's baby type where it's like, you know, that's like the, yeah you know, I think maybe the, the one that would often be associated with this, this genre um, that it's probably not something that you would watch every day. Cause it is, I mean, that one's just freaking really yeah <laughs> psychologically cre- uh, creepy, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, just the way how everything kind of slowly unfolds uh, for a lot of these characters, usually women who are <laughs> who are realizing, you know, the, the cult around them, um, that it's like it just really stands out as a genre, I would say. God, that, that's actually really a great point. I hadn't thought about that, but just sort of like the gender roles that you get with some of these stories. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, I'm just going to go into my own head here. No, it's okay. <laughs> but I was like, oh, shit, no, that really kind of does crack it open too, especially um, within. I, I see. I still keep thinking of it like it's to me as a subgenre of horror, even though it doesn't have to be. Yeah, but I think predominantly kind of is, which is why my brain's going to there. But um, yeah, just going through um, kind of a the checklist in my head of things I didn't pick. I'm like female lead, female lead, female lead, female lead. Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, I actually I have uh, one that is kind of more ensemble, um, but yeah, I think you're right. There's something with gender roles within cult films about cults as well. I mean, that also lends itself very well to great dramatic structure, like revealing the inner workings of the cult or the yeah. wait, what's going on here, and like you're slowly <laughs> getting more and more and more information um, rather than just like here's how it works. Come on in. Yeah, which you could do. I mean, even something like um, I would you consider like. Paul Thomas Anderson's The Master. Yes. Oh, yeah. Kind of um, in that 
that realm where like it's it's intriguing and you're kind of taking through the eye. Okay, there you go. There's a male <laughs> yeah. lead character who's goes goes into um the cult, but is clearly like looking for meaning um and all of that. But yeah, that one doesn't spring to mind immediately as like, oh, that's a movie about a cult. But um yeah, it, like it slowly draws you in with the the process and I actually kind of like cult creation, I guess. It's not really fully formed just yet. Yeah. It's a little different too. Yeah. In that film in particular, I I distinctly remember the the first time seeing it. Uh, I think opening night or you know something at the just uh, being so captivated by Philip Seymour Hoffman's performance that I probably would have joined that. that call yeah, yeah, yeah. If I was like in that position, <laughs> just because he was so so good as a speaker, and there's even like those. The the one thing about that that one is, uh, you know, it, I think Philip Seymour Hoffman in Paul Thomas Anderson movies has these moments where like he's kind of like such like a mild mannered person, but he has that one thing or quirk that will make him snap on a dime. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and he has like certain lines in The Master that I, you know, I just sometimes watch just clips on YouTube just because like. Wow. I mean, yeah, you I want mean, that moment. It's that actor. Wow. Yeah. yeah. He's so good. <laughs> I think of that range too, from like Boogie Nights to the master. Like, Oh yeah. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's, that's, that's sad. Cause he isn't giving any more performances. Yes. For us. But at least there's a shitload of them too. We really enjoy there. But um, I was also going to ask, was there ever a time in your life, Mike, that you think you would have been susceptible to a cult, which I think you kind of maybe just answered. <laughs> I, I, I would say for myself, uh, definitely, definitely. Yeah. And, whew, I, I would, um, yeah, maybe like that, happen. you know, freshman year of college, where, everything is like, <laughs> where it's <laughs> like, you're just kind of bright eyed, like everything sounds cool to join and like, yep. like yes, please. <laughs> if I was susceptible to the credit card scams where I got a free t-shirt oh, um, in the student dude, union at college, just, I finally paid off one of those. Uh, <laughs> that, and it was like, it's a shirt that I probably wore once. Yeah. Right. Know. Right. But I was signed this, right? This like, sure. Yeah. Like I, you know, that's yeah. Bright eyed, wide eyed, like you said, but also, like, card. what? Yeah. <laughs> Wide eyed, kind of like you said, but also just a healthy sense of just like general curiosity that can take you in the wrong direction if the right <laughs> yeah. or wrong person is in front yes. of you talking about something. So. <laughs> yeah, but uh, <laughs> well, let's do some uh, honorable mentions here. What uh, you want to you want to kick it off, Mike? Sure. So this is a movie that I I th- should have seen a long time ago, uh, but up until recently, I finally saw it at once again our beloved cinematic um mm-hmm. but i never i had never seen until recently the original wicker man um uh oh. i've seen the the nicholas cage wicker man uh <laughs> several times for better for worse um <laughs> but uh but i can see why the original wicker man is so revered as uh you know they i think it's in all if you look up uh any charts or whatever as far as british cinema goes it's considered like the best british horror film of all time mm-hmm. um you know and basically it you know it's a simple structure uh basically where you have this um you know a a sergeant who comes to this island uh to investigate the disappearance of a young woman 
and everybody, you know, nobody really claims to, to know who, who she is and, you know, Oh, I haven't heard that name or, you know, haven't. And, uh, you know, as it goes further along and this kind of contradicts what I, what we said about mostly the, usually the female it's being revealed, uh, you know, the way how this Sergeant starts to slowly take everything in and, you know, he, he's a very, he seems like a very solid, he has a very solid faith. Um, you know, he's a, basically a man of the the gospel, I guess you could say. And, you know, the way how he starts to kind of question his own faith as, as you start to, as things start to un- reveal for him. And it ultimately leads to that, to the very bleak ending, I would say, uh, <laughs> Um, you know, and I know it's, it's over a 50 year movie, so I don't really, I mean, maybe it's okay to spoil it, but you know, when, when he eventually goes to this, to the large, basically sacrifice, yeah. I mean, even though I, I knew what was coming basic, you know, you know, having seen the Nicolas Cage one and just, you know, seeing, reading about it in other books, I mean, it, it's a kind of frightening image and, um, you know, I think just so many of the the actors in that, especially Christopher Lee, are just so incredible as their more evil side comes out of them. You mm-hmm. know, because they're they're so friendly at first, or but they're also kind of standoffish. But um, the way how it all unravels is, uh, I mean, that's why it easily I think it makes makes it to the top of all these lists. Yeah. So I'm glad that. Um, my first experience of seeing this was was in a theater and a pretty, you know, um, busy theater. Um, okay. you know, it was, uh, you know, there was a lot of discussion afterwards, which I thought was kind of cool. But but yes, I should have seen that a long time ago. So I'm almost like embarrassed to admit that. Uh, it's OK. I, I still haven't seen it. I have seen neither version. Yet. Oh, OK. I'm sorry. I yeah, I, I hope I didn't spoils things but um, no 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 it's yeah, one of those like i feel like i just culturally know the ending also i i believe the poster itself is like it's an image from the ending like yes absolutely earning and yeah. i was like oh, i wonder how it ends <laughs> but i you know i'm sure um you know ari aster or aster was was heavily influenced when making midsummer um mm-hmm. uh because there's a lot of there's a lot of like similar i think themes that run throughout that but uh you know, definitely this is highly regarded for a reason, I would say. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'd recently watched something else that wasn't apropos to this particular episode, but it was a classic. And when it was in, I was like, oh, it's classic for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, like you still kind of expect him to like, like knock you out of your seat or whatever. And sometimes it's more just like, oh, yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> when I, th- one other thing real quick with this movie is yeah. that it, um, I think the rights changed hands several times. So sometimes it wasn't as, at least this version wasn't always um, available, uh, readily available, I think. Um, Oh, interesting. So the, it now is, it's owned by Studio Canal and, you know, which seems to like have a lot of those rare titles. Yeah. um, This, the version that was shown is called the, the ultimate director's cut, which is, just about 90 minutes or so, I guess it, it, you know, there were different, a couple different versions. Um, they all kind of run around about the same length, but, uh, but for some reason there is, 
I think this is like the definitive cut was what we saw. Yeah, I was looking at here. There's like it's just as a theatrical cut, director's cut, the final cut. It's like we're in like almost in Blade Runner territory yes. With, yes. with this one. Um, yeah, anything from like 87 to 99 minutes. So, yeah, I guess if there's like the final cut one, like that'd be the one. That's the one I'll watch. I guess is the way I'll put it. Yes, and that's if that's officially like here we go. Um, which is also kind of fun though. If you end up, if I end up being like a huge fan of it, there's like other variations to go back and check out <laughs> yeah. now to see what's going on. So yeah, sweet. How about you? Um, all right, well, let's stick around in the, I have another one from the seventies. Uh, oh. this is from 1971. Um, it's swinging entirely to the opposite direction of the quality spectrum here. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is an American film called I drink your blood Ooh. from 1971. It is a straight up just, uh, exploitation movie. <laughs> it's, um, I think it's a lot of fun. The, way to pitch this one is it's so it's 1971 it's it's a group of satanic hippies that are all in a cult in their own van that has clearly been spray painted real quickly by a props department with what they assume are satanic logos and imagery and what happens is the the opening scene is like a sacrificing someone in the woods thing uh but a local townie who's been hanging out with one of the people in, in the in the 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 very like also like very ethnically and culturally diverse hippie group that are all Satanists here. Uh, she's like hanging behind a tree because she's been hanging out with one of them. And then she is, she's, she's witnessed by the cult. Uh, she's chased through the woods. All the cult members are naked, chasing her through the woods. Um, she ends up getting pinned down. Uh, she's raped, I think may- maybe by two different people. She's roughed up quite a bit, just physically as well. So beaten up and then heads back to town and you know, her, uh, her family's pissed. There's like a little brother and then a grandpa that's around, but basically the town is completely empty more or less because like manufacturing is left and they're waiting to demolish the town. So the, the, when the hippies car breaks down and they end up having to stick around in the town for a little bit, they're told like, Hey, just stay in any house. You could just tell that this had no money for production value and was like (laughs) found a few abandoned locations and just shot there. It is gross. It is disgusting. (laughs) It is not for the fate of heart violence wise. Um, there's some um, when they first start squatting in this house, they do like um, whoever can kill the most rats wins contest. And I don't think they're faking it. I'm not a rat fan, but I also don't want to see that <laughs> on camera necessarily. And then to get revenge, the uh, younger brother, who's actually the hero of the movie, this kid, um, this kid, Pete, who's like he's a teenager. He uh, finds a rabid dog who's been killed in in town, extracts blood, injects that blood into pies, meat pies that he sells to the satanic hippies. And the climax is the satanic hippies now have rabies and are running rampant through the town. As they should. Eating people like it is bloody. I don't get that. I drink your blood thing because they're not they're not vampires or anything. I guess rabies makes you crave blood is maybe the way you could do it i don't know but satanic hippie cult members um on rabies or infected with rabies um eating and massacring what's left of a town um it's pretty awesome if that is intriguing to you you're gonna get exactly what you did what you yes. are looking for in that one um it is a bit shocking but it's also that 70s blood where you're like this is fake okay that's interesting how oh, that's oh you're th- you're you're really expecting me to believe you just chopped that person's head off that's not a real head like that sort of thing but they're really leaning into it it's it's one of the first movies that ever got an X rating from the MPAA, which again, this is 1971, so this is this is. Really, uh, I mean, really the X rating was a legitimate rating yeah. at that time. Yeah, um, I think by 71 it still was, but it was only for violence; it wasn't for nudity. Yeah, 
Um, so it was one of those like just because of the violence, we're giving it an X rating. Um, <laughs> I think Arrow or somebody put out a really good uh, DVD that I've got, which has again speaking of different cuts, there's two different cuts on it. There's like I think a minute if we round up difference. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's yeah. it's if you're in the mood, it is definitely one to check out. Now I've always heard about that one. That's like a it's kind of like notorious one. Uh, yeah, yeah. The um, so I guess the producer pitched to the director David uh, Durston. Uh, here's his quote. Uh, producer Jerry Gross said he wanted to make the most graphic horror film ever produced, but didn't want any vampires, man-made monsters, werewolves, mad doctors, or little people. End quote. <laughs> What's left? You know, it's got to be satanic hippies with rabies right. uh, of course you know there's there's just he was left with no other options so um yeah notorious for a reason but also um if you can watch it with a group and you're and you're ready for that movie thumbs up for me yeah <laughs> uh, uh, what else you got mike uh so my other one is uh from 2011 it's martha marcy may merlene oh, marlene nice. and i this is um a real quick backstory. I think in my in my late twenties or so, uh, that there was like a time period where I was like very unsuccessful at dating. Uh, <laughs> so I always felt, <laughs> I always found myself at uh, you know at the art house, uh, you know at the Cedar Lee, and I, I I think like this time period for some reason there was there's a lot of like gems that came out in that in my late 20s in that like 2010 to 2012 2013 era and not a lot of those movies like i don't really hear about a lot of them anymore and i don't know if some of them because they were like weinstein titles or something like that but this this movie i think is is one of those ones that kind of like knocked me off my socks when i saw it yeah. uh just i was just really impressed uh, this is a movie by Sean Durkin, uh, who has made a couple other films. He's kind of had some gaps in his uh, filmography. Um, mm-hmm. He actually had a long gap uh, after he made this one. But uh, this was pretty much the the movie that introduced us to Elizabeth Olsen um, mm-hmm. as an actress. Uh, her sisters, of course, were famous for being from full house and, and everything. But uh, this is the one that I think really showed that no offense to the Olsen sisters. I mean, they're, they're rich and you know, whatever, but yeah, they're fine. She's, she's got the talent in, in, yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> in the acting realm. And this one is about a, a young woman who has uh, recently escaped a cult and um, reconnects with her sister. And, and basically it starts off basically right you know, she's calling her a strange sister and saying like, you know, I need picked up. And, um, you know, it it turns out that she's, you know, three hours away from where her sister is. Um, so the movie kind of bounces in timeline. So it's like, you're in the present day where, you know, she's getting reacclimated to being in the, um, you know, in the real world. And then you're also seeing these flashbacks to where she was a part of this cult. And sometimes the line with her, her, you know, psychologicalness, it's like, she's always 
kind of on she's always tense she's always thinking like the the cult is is uh, coming to get her so it really makes a lot of tension between her sister who is um really well played uh by uh, Sarah Paulson and also her husband who's uh the British actor Hugh Dancy uh, who had he he was like in a bunch of stuff around that time period but I haven't really seen him much lately for some reason yeah but um you know it you know dealing with this trauma basically you know makes like for a lot of awkward situations with with the sister and in the in the, mm-hmm. the uh, brother-in-law and uh I just remember this one being such like a it it was in my top 10 you know that year i mean who yeah. cares like when i was making top 10 lists but <laughs> but that it it was really high up on my list and i um i uh didn't really get a chance to rewatch it before this episode but i had to refresh myself with uh, some youtube videos which were helpful <laughs> but but a really um really well acted john hawks plays the basically the cult leader. Oh yeah. And he is so creepy good in this movie. So yeah, it's a, it's a little gem and um, I, I highly recommend that one. I do too. Yeah. I think uh, I got, I feel like it was like in my top five Yeah, um, that year. Cause it was, um, I was working at the art house by that time. And uh, I was just trying to, I remember there was one of those on my list of like, I was always recommending it. People were like, I don't really want to see that cult movie. And I was like, you need to. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it's, there's the effect that you, the cult has on you when you're in it, but it, I thought it dealt really interestingly with how its grip is still there. Just cause you leave doesn't mean, Oh, all good. I'm done. Yeah. Like, no, like the lasting psychological, like mind fuck is, is uh, really, really uh, well explored here. And people would have, you know, again, like you said, with the sister and then her, her brother-in-law characters, you know, people have patience for you as like, you know, your first, maybe a little bit of time out of the cult as you're trying to get acclimated, but like a couple weeks in a couple months in, you're like, no, you're still dealing with the psychological damage that has happened. Yeah. Uh, but people don't necessarily have the patience for you. Yeah. Anymore. Well, and, and she never really, she never really has that moment where like, you're kind of expecting her to just say like, I was in a cult, but she doesn't, you know, right. she, she kind of internalizes a lot of it. She just says like, you know, I had a boyfriend, he, you know, he was, you know, it was a bad situation basically, right? you know, and she says that kind of multiple times. Um, so they, you know, they think that it was, you know, maybe some physical abuse, but I mean, so much mental abuse that was yeah. from this. Um, but yeah, just, uh, uh, and th- that was a debut movie too. I mean, I think that one is, you know, gotta be in one of like the, you know, high ranking in, in some debut films, but, but it's interesting that he didn't really, you know, it took him quite a while to follow it up. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, I think, I think he has something coming out this year. Oh yeah. He has a movie about the rest, uh, wrestling family, the Von Eric family who, uh, he, the, one of the Von Erics was the Texas tornado. If you, uh, watch WWF coming up, but right. uh, about that family, a24 is putting it out so i'm sure they'll they'll do a good job marketing it and oh, good. audiences will hate it probably uh, <laughs> but but that's another that's another story <laughs> yeah yeah that's true my last honorable mention uh i wanted to uh hop hop genres a little bit i sure. have a documentary that Ooh, i've seen okay. several several times and i thought well actually i think marcia Marth- Marth- let me try it one more time i think 
Martha, Marcy, May, Marlene is actually kind of would be an interesting double feature with this one. Um, And that is the documentary Jonestown, The Life and Death of People's Temple. Oh, okay. Is from uh, Stanley Nelson, who's an amazing uh, director. I, I actually got to meet him at the Cleveland International Film Festival a couple of years back. Uh, something he produced, I think, was here. Um, if you've ever watched anything on the American Experience through PBS, um, he's probably directed it. Yeah. Um, great documentarian of just like uh, American cultural and social history. This one is specifically about Jonestown. And the the hook when this came out, I believe on PBS actually, <laughs> was <laughs> there was new... Uh, not new footage because you can't have new footage of a historical event, but like newly found or newly we try that one again too. newly released to the public, like uh, never before seen in the public um, footage, which again, it can, can be pretty rough from the, uh, from Jonestown. Um, yeah. And I, I picked this one uh, cause the Jonestown and Jim Jones is just such a fascinating story. Um, I've gone through even like a couple books on it before. Like it's, it's really the one that, grabs me with that idea like i mentioned with that article at the top of the show like what is it called and why do people join them um this one more i think is interesting and like why do people join them because culturally i think the jonestown uh massacre was is kind of known as like oh they drank the kool-aid and the blah blah blah. it's like well okay it wasn't wasn't kool-aid but it was uh it was like flavor flavor aid or something i don't know but you know kool-aid's the brand that everybody knows but it was like how do you get like 900 plus people to a South American jungle to start a new society? Like this isn't a whim sort of thing. Yeah. Um, like this is deep. I mean, this was like a multi decades thing. Like Jim Jones had been working on, you know, he starts off, um, you know, in the fifties going to the sixties and seventies. And he is very much into like integration and social justice when that wasn't a popular thing. In, in the early 60s, and as movements were gaining strength, like he was trying to integrate churches and he left churches like, wait, you want to integrate this? Like, no, we keep the races like, wait, that's, that's, that's fucked up. So then you <laughs> leave. Like, it's a, such a fascinating thing to see, like, especially as you watch the documentary. Maybe this is one of those where I'm like, oh, I would have fallen for this one. Uh, so maybe <laughs> yeah. that's why it connects with me a little bit. But like, there's so much good being done. And they're like the stance that he, he and his congregation have, like they are. Um, you know, they're they're against the Red Scare when that's happening. Again, they're for, you know, equality and they're for equality of the genders and everything. I'm like, yeah, OK. So it's interesting. Like they, you know, he's starting up things because he wants to help the poor and the ignored by society people. I'm like, that's something you should do. That's good. Yeah. You know, really putting his money where his mouth is and doing that. Obviously, it doesn't end well, but it's one of those you really get to see the process of like, yeah, this wasn't like a um, an out of the blue thing like this built up and built up and built up. But then once it became a completely closed off, basically, you know, town civilization in the jungle in Guyana, you know, abuse can run rampant. You can become a tyrant. Also, there's a you know, he's, he's on a whole host of different drugs and like the whole story in there is just kind of fascinating. You can see it devolving. And it's even one of those, as you mentioned, kind of with the Wicker Man, you know how the Jonestown story ends. Yeah, but it still plays like a riveting thriller, even though, you know, the ending, because you're like, there's so many ins and outs and details that you're like, I had no idea I was going to experience all of that along the way to that ending that everybody knows. Yeah, what happened. And if it's a little too rough because it is real footage of real people, um, I would also then recommend real quick as a side thing, uh, The Sacrament by Ty West. Oh, yes. Analyzed found footage version of that in which no one was harmed uh, or at least killed, you know, in the making of that movie. The Sacrament is safe, but uh, I would definitely say for sure, though, Jonestown, The Life and Death of the People's Temple, 2006 documentary. Mm, yeah, that one sounds great. I wish I could say the same thing about my pick. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> What's your pick? Uh, well, my pick is also a documentary. Ooh, okay. 
So it came out in 2016. It's called Holy Hell. My name is Will Allen. I started making movies when I was 13. I went to film school, and three weeks after graduating, my sister introduced me to her spiritual teacher, and my whole life took a different path. It was the middle of the 80s, and we wanted something different. They were so alive, living from their heart and playing and jumping in ice-cold rivers and hiking through the forest at night, and oh my God, I want me some of that. We started it. This is what we wanted. It was our little utopia. And we were all there because of this one man. He's very charismatic, like a child, very playful. He could dance, he was artistic. He was all those things we all wanted to be. He was just this beautiful, silent entity. And I said, I would follow you anywhere. And um, so this follows, it's made by a filmmaker who was a member of this cult. His name is Will Allen. So Will um, is a, you know, he was basically kind of like a failed film student or in some ways. <laughs> Go on. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, he was kind of struggling and, you know, he also... Uh, came out to his parents and his parents, you know, were not super, you know, they weren't super into that uh, at the time. But, um, you know, they they do show throughout the film that, you know, the parents were, you know, pretty, you know, eventually were supportive of him and also his okay. sisters who also joined this cult, which is called the Buddha Field cult. Buddha, um, okay. It's uh, it was founded by a man. Uh, named uh, Michel, who oddly enough has an un like a non speaking part in Rosemary's Baby. Oh, um, so it's kind of like a weird connection. Yeah, but very weird. He is this kind of new age kind of you know. I think he used to like recruit people by going to different yoga studios and everything. So somebody who kind of like followed a lot of new age. Um, Theo, you know, theology and um, was this like a California? Y- yes, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Okay. In North North uh, Hollywood area, so kind of preyed on a lot of like creative types mm-hmm. and everything, and you know, attracted a large, a pretty large amount of people. Um, I think uh, at one point I have to look, but I mean. You know, the, the filmmaker who was in this, he was in the cult for 22 years. Um, oh, wow. And he served as the videographer for for the cult. Okay. So, um, so in certain ways, it's fascinating in that way because there's a lot of – there's a lot of uh, footage that uh, – you know, he was able to, to mine from a lot of the footage still remain with the cult. So, you know, only had access to, you know, a certain amount of hours, but had, there's a lot of like really creepy shots of this cult leader, um, who kind of looks like, uh, like he, he was a dancer and an actor. So it's like, but he kind of looks like, uh, oh, I, I can't remember exactly who he looks like, but maybe Brizhnikov or something like that. You know, like he kind of has like a weird look to or a familiar look to him. Sure. Um, so you get a lot of like heartfelt 
interviews with the people who are part of the cult who, you know, pretty much all started to leave at a certain point. I think the one thing that I found a little bit frustrating with the movie was that you're never really fully defined what what was this cult all about? You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. it's like I wanted to know a little more and it almost feels like the Mm -hmm. filmmaker was maybe holding certain information back. Um, Now, eventually you learn that the, 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 uh, the leader of this cult basically, you know, through these meditation uh, sessions would base, you know, would, um, would sexually abuse a lot of the male members of this cult. Um, and also with some of the females, like would kind of dupe them to do, you know, weird things, but he really made these people believe like he was godlike, a, mm-hmm. a God. Um, and so, and also because this, this guy was the videographer and the filmmaker, you know, it's like, you can see a lot of different, it's almost like a calling card for maybe future work down the line. So it almost feels a little bit like manipulative. Like he, he sees this as an opportunity to tell a story about this cult that he happened to be in, but also like showing off like different flares. That's like, Oh, look what I can do, you know, with, with the camera. And, oh, and, I, okay, I know what you mean. Yeah. So that's where I was getting a little bit frustrated, but I did finish it and, you know, I did find some parts of it interesting. Uh, but the very end of the film, uh, there is, there's one moment where it's kind of weird, uh, where they find out that the guy, the, the main cult leader now goes by a different name mm-hmm. and has basically kind of restarted in Maui in uh, Hawaii. And, our filmmaker confronts him in like a very weird way, but you know, has like a little GoPro or something like that, you know, goes right up to his face and he, he asks him a couple questions, but the one thing that he asks him is if he's being a good boy. And I thought that was so weird. <laughs> no, that's not like a reference to something earlier in the movie or no, not really. Yeah, that's kind I mean, of weird. Hey, it's, it's probably something that he might've said to the followers when he's doing these, meditation but, but we it, need a context for that like that's yeah be, yeah yes. yeah so mm. it's just yeah i so i i think on my letterbox i gave this like a two and a half like i almost gave it just a two uh because it's like there's a lot of really interesting things here right but i feel like maybe he should have collaborated with somebody else who has an outsider's eye. There you go. Uh, to the material. Yeah. Because he probably was so close to it, didn't probably want to touch on everything, you know, from a psychological perspective. Right. Um, but you know, it's certainly worth I, I think it's it's kind of it's interesting in the for this genre to kind yeah, of yeah. Go out. Um and it's it's available on Tubi. Um, but, uh, yeah, but yeah, I mean, it had, it played at Sundance, it played a bunch of places, Yeah, but, uh, it doesn't look like this filmmaker has done anything since, gotcha. but, um, but you know, who knows, maybe he's, <laughs> uh, he's probably doing something, but, um, but yeah, uh, you know, it's definitely, yeah, um, it could have <laughs> probably been a little better. I think. Yeah. Well, it's definitely intriguing the way you're describing it. And I was like, you could, I mean, you kind of want that insider's view 
And I just look at the credits. Yeah. Produced, directed, edited, cinematography. Like it's clearly a passion project. But like you said, maybe that let's let's zoom out a little bit. Have like a producer or another editor kind of like, okay, well, we yeah. need that's fine. But we also need this, this and this. And Yeah. I feel like also maybe it's just because there's like all this, this somber droning music the whole time. So it's like you're, you're always feeling this kind of sense of dread i think you're you're watching it um but also if it's if it's ill-defined where you're not even sure what the cult is about yeah it's kind of tough to kind of wrap your head around too as someone yeah and maybe maybe it's like a case of you know idiot it's clear as day what they're all about you know but maybe i'm i mean maybe i missed something but um you know even just looking at the you know, there's a Wikipedia link of what the Budafeld cult is all about. And it doesn't even really, you know, it, it's like new age ideas, you know, it's like, right. Yeah. It's, I'm looking at that right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, not to, not to compare apples and oranges here, but like, or cults to cults, I guess. actually, no, it's not apples to oranges at all. It's cult to cult, but like the Jonestown one, if you look at like, that's a much, longer like deep held beliefs and like social sure. justice issues and blah 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 and you're like oh okay that's what that means um principles of east versus west and surrendering to the guru and like wait, what what are we what are we talking about <laughs> yeah yeah and also the fact that it's that new agey and i'm reading here says drugs and alcohol were also banned from use within the group i'm like that's i don't know that seems like kind of part and parcel to a lot of california cults um maybe not this particular era but you know, I don't know, look at the Manson, for example, like, you know, yeah. uh, drugs and, and psychedelics played a huge role in, um, you know, melting brains. Um, yeah, <laughs> that particular <laughs> one. But interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued by that. But like you're saying, I, I feel like I'm going to probably have the same reaction you do. We're like, and yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned the music in in Holy Hell and the music is actually what got me into my pick for this particular episode. Awesome. Um, the music was done by a group called Wolfmen of Mars, which is just a <laughs> great name for a band. Yes. And I wanted to start by, here's a quote from, from their website, how they describe their music. Making music that combines the electronic analog sounds of the 70s and 80s and mixing them with heavy grooves, a soundtrack for late night driving or space travel. <laughs> um it it just it popped up. I was looking for like instrumental, like kind of like Halloween theme stuff, and us, you know, it was recommended on Apple Music or somewhere. And I was like, "Great cover art! I'll give this a spin." And then I was like, "Wait a minute, that looks more like a movie poster." And sure enough, uh, they do a music. They do the music for the 2019 uh, movie called Satanic Panic. Ah. Shop for the tips. Four hours, my total earnings are an expired Applebee's coupon. A sweater that smells like racism. It's exactly oh, your size. Oh. Deliver for meal basin. It's outside our zone. I'll do it. Are you ready to make an investment in your future? Yes. Are you ready to take back what you are owed? Yes. Are you ready to fully commit yourself to Satan? Yes! Who are you? I'm the pizza guy. A girl? Are he by any chance a virgin? That's a very personal question. She's a virgin. Whose power unlocks our true potential? Hail Satan! Do you have any idea what's happening here tonight? Hail Satan! They are summoning Baphomet, the big demon from hell. 
And when that clock strikes 12, he is going to rip you open. Where's my virgin? I don't know what's happening. My mom and her butt buddies are booty calling Baphomet. And they're not going to stop until you're strapped to a barbed wire altar. That's bonkers. Uh, Comedy horror film, also with an amazing name, uh, directed by Chelsea Stardust. I mean, it's all full of great names here. Uh, Screenplay credit goes to Grady Hendrix, another great name as well. And the screenplay and the music... And actually, the direction is pretty solid, too. But the screenplay and the music, for sure, are the ones that like really stood out to me Yeah, um, in this one. Have you seen this one, Mike? I have. Uh, and she's from Cleveland. Uh, you know, she, a uh, friend of the show, Robert Banks, you know, she was his intern at one Oh, wow. Yeah. So Chelsea Stardust is from Cleveland? Yeah. Okay. I, I, I It was like, finished it yesterday. I haven't really dug too deep into it. Yeah. You know, but <laughs> that's fantastic. I'm glad I responded so positively to uh, to this one. There's a lot of fun stuff to discover in this one. Again, it's comedy horror. Like there's a, it's a great combination of elements, all of those elements at work throughout. So I don't want to spoil too much because some of it is the fun of discovering as you go <laughs> along with this one. Uh, but the basic idea is we have Sam, the main character. She is our first day as a pizza delivery girl. Um, it's going really poorly. Uh, she's delivering out of Vespa. Um, I believe it's like a, is it in like New York or it seems like a pretty affluent, like, suburb of new york city or something i'm not sure they referenced um mill basin as the neighborhood um which is somewhere on the outskirts of new york city i believe when i was i was looking that up but anyway it's not going well she doesn't even have the money for for gas to get around she does one one delivery too many uh that night you know the other delivery drivers who are a bit more seasoned are like oh i don't know i don't go to mill basin she's like i'll take it uh because she you know needs the money and of course, when she does, uh, you know, her, her Vespa won't start back up. So she's determined like, you know what? I'm actually going to go back and ask for a tip. I'm going to really pressure these people because they're not tipping. They should be. It was like a hundred some dollar order. Oh, wouldn't you know it? It's a coven of Satanists who are uh, ready to, I mean, I think they pretty much say it in the movie, like they're ready to rape a virgin or have a virgin raped by by Baphomet to bring about like the spawn of Satan literally uh, this evening. It's done in a pretty comic way. There's buzzwords that you'd hear around Satanism or, or, you know, kind of things. And it's not taking itself too seriously, but the characters are taking it seriously yeah. enough that makes it seem kind of goofball-y and fun. Uh, Rebecca Romaine is like the lead Satanist running this. Wait, Coven's not Satanist. I don't know. None of the terminology of it works. I yeah. mean, it's all just kind of for fun here anyway. <laughs> and it kind of just goes bonkers then more bonkers then more bonkers then more bonkers and it was just, it's a really 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 fun ride um the whole way through um the screenplay is really tight in that like these throwaway lines that you think of that you think are throwaway lines like actually comes back around and it works yeah. and then the main character sam is just very resourceful um they're they're kind of hinting that there's like a power to the virgin character to be able to possibly outsmart these folks <laughs> and 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 dozen cases where i was like how the fuck are you can get out of this oh, oh okay that's pretty clever um i wrote in my notes that it had a uh roughly and this is not scientific roughly 90 percent logic rate to me where 90 percent of the time sam was making the logical choices you would make yeah our finals girl here right i mean this is what we're, we're dealing with as our protagonist and um i was like all right there's only a couple times where i was like i don't know okay we gotta get the plot moving forward i get it but i don't know about this uh, but the rest of it, I was like, 
okay, we, we're letting logic play into this. I like this. Um, again, script and, and, and screenplay and the music top notch. The direction is really good. Just solid three star recommend. I don't think you'd be disappointed at all. Like it's not rewriting the conventions of a horror genre. It's not, you know, like I could see possibly a, like floating up to like some, some cult status in the next few years, maybe because it's just, yeah, it's a lot of fun. And if you're doing like a horror marathon or an all nighter thing, you throw this in the mix, it's going to be a good time. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I thought this one was a lot of fun and it goes by like super fast. I mean, oh, so quick. Like, the pace is just like 80 boom, minutes boom, boom. or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the funny thing is um, I, I got to interview or we did like kind of like a uh, cross country interview for uh, something. And uh, so I went to go buy the film and this was during the pen when it came out during the pandemic, basically mm-hmm. where I went to the store and it was at Walmart and um, oh, it's the closest store. I think I read oh, about this. Yes. <laughs> the, the um, yeah. So like the, the sleeve cover for it just says panic on it. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's Walmart. And uh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. No, but like when you take off the sleeve, it says satanic panic, but you just put it back on and it's yeah. like panic. It's panic. So yeah. Um, <laughs> So I showed it to her or I sent her a picture of it and she, she got a big kick out of that. So <laughs> that's kind of awesome as if, um, which I mean, this is wrapping up on this one. Like the, I was trying to find something that was about the satanic panic, like from the eighties yeah. and I watched a documentary that was okay. Um, which I didn't obviously include cause it was just okay. But that one was this, this one popped up and I was like, Oh, okay. And it's kind of what if all of the, dumb nonsense that people thought was happening with the satanic panic in the eighties was happening, but it's not set in the eighties. It's set, you know, contemporary as far as I can tell for satanic <laughs> panic is here that for the satanic panic, the movie. Uh, but I thought it was like, that's a really great jumping off point of like, wait, what if all of that was real, but it's also, it doesn't take it seriously at all. Like it's completely comedic. Yeah. So the fact that there's still a worry in this day and age that like, Oh, we got the satanic, label like that's what's selling the movie to people and you're right. covering it up it's just i don't know hilarious and dumb all at the same time <laughs> so our official watch challenge picks for films with cults are holy hell the documentary from 2016 and satanic panic not a documentary <laughs> from 2019 mike what challenge do we have in front of us for next time so our next challenge, because we are going to be in the month of October and there's been so many different uh, f- horror films that have come out from the likes of A24 and Neon, there has been a new co- uh, new term coin called Prestige Horror. So uh, that's what we're going to have for our next episode. Excellent. If you'd like to suggest any uh, titles from the prestige horror genre, so obviously it'll be more more modern, obviously, with our picks coming up here next time uh let us know either through uh, the links in the show notes here hit us up on instagram or uh watch challenge podcast at gmail.com until next time folks rate and review the show in whatever podcast app you're using and we'll see you with the next challenge mm-hmm.